And uh, I'm going to begin, I want to go back and read Luke chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, but for, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people, all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior. That word Savior, it means deliverer. It's the one, if he's our Savior, he has come to deliver us. He is our deliverer. Who is Christ? The word Christ means Messiah, anointed. That's who we're talking about here is our Savior, a Savior, uh, our deliverer, who is Messiah. He is the anointed one, uh, the Lord. And the word there, the Lord, this is the title that is given to God, given to the Messiah. This is not just like a Lord. This is the Lord. This is speaking of God, the Messiah. So what we're talking about here, when we look at the, the coming of the Lord announced here in, in Luke chapter 2, for, for born to you uh, this day in the city of David, a Savior, a deliverer for us. A deliverer who is Christ, who is the Messiah, who is the one the Jews had been looking for. What a shame that they rejected their Messiah, who they had so long looked for and for 2,000 years have rejected the Messiah. But he is the Messiah. Christ is the Messiah. Jesus Christ is the Messiah. He is the anointed one. He is the Lord and he is God. He is the Messiah. And, and so we, what a beautiful picture we see there. What a beautiful announcement of the coming of God to this earth, coming in flesh. Now we're going to look at chapter 2 of Titus. Chapter 2, verses 11 through 15. This is a passage I'm going to preach today. I want to read this to you. Verse 11, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. Speak these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one despise you. Let's, uh, let's just go again to the, the Lord as we uh, look into his word. Father, I pray right now, Lord, that you would... Um, I pray, first of all, God, you would just give me clarity in thought and in speech as I uh, communicate the message that you put on my heart and prepared in me that, Lord, I could say what you want said, that I would not say what you don't want said. Lord, I pray that you would speak through me today. And, Lord, I pray that each one of us right now would just set aside the distractions, the distractions of yesterday, the distractions of this morning, uh, Lord, the, the preoccupations of things to come. And maybe for just a few moments, may we sit here and focus upon you and hear what you would have to say to our hearts from your word. Lord, may we this morning not hear from a man. May we hear from you this morning, Lord. May your Holy Spirit speak to us through the word of God. And we'll praise and thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Now, my pastor in Indiana would be very, very proud of me this morning. Um, he was a 20, I'm not going to preach 20 minutes, okay? He, but, but he was a 20, 25-minute preacher. I may not be much more than that, but he was a 25-minute preacher, and it was five points. Every Sunday was five points. Every Wednesday night, five points. I don't know how he did it. 
It was always five points. That was the number of perfection when it comes to Gina in my line. Absolutely. It was the number of perfection. And uh, it was, he could do five points, and in 25 minutes, he would have it wrapped up. I'm not there yet, but we do have five points this morning. I want you to look at the first. In verse 11 here, uh, we see, uh, here's what we need to do, and here's what we're looking at from this passage. We need to keep the right perspective, okay? So as we go into this Christmas season, and this time, special time of year, keep the right perspective. Verse 11 says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Has appeared to all men. Look, there is enough grace for the whole world. All men. It's, it's available for all. Now, there's, it, it's available for needs. There's a lot of needs. Now, I, read a, I read a story. I actually had heard about this story, so I searched it. And I actually found that this has happened not just one time. It's happened several times, a couple of times at least. I read two different articles. But in California, a lot of times when there's heavy rains, they have, in the mountainous areas, they have what? Mudslides, right? So it's not uncommon to have mudslides. And those are very, uh, man, those are terrible. I mean, in the middle of the night, you just, I mean, it's like a tornado, I guess. They hear the rumble and they don't know what's going to happen. They don't know what's coming down. They can't see anything. But there was a story, there's actually a couple of stories that, that are almost identical in the way this happened. But there's, a, there's all these rains coming and in the middle of the night, a mudslide comes. And one story in particular, the family, they were, they were separated. A couple of them were in this side and a couple over here. And, and, the, and, the, and the mudslide took part of the house. And as it took part of the house, it actually ripped a baby out of the mother's hands, grabbed the child and ripped her out of, out of the, 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 the mother's hands. And the mudslide goes on. So you can imagine the horror of that. How, how would you, how do you handle that? The power's out, it's dark, you, you can't see anything, you don't know what to do. So they began, they're looking, hopelessly, hopelessly searching for this baby that's just a, an infant. And they're, and they're really looking beyond hope. Well, there's other people who immediately after that, you know, they began to search and look. And the story goes that there, there are some people that are walking along and this guy sees what he thinks is a chicken. He said, th- thought it was a chicken and it was like muddy and it was, a- and he reaches down and picks this, this thing up that he thinks is a chicken. And guess what it is? It's a child. It's a child. And he thought, oh man, this is terrible. Surely the child is dead. And so he begins to, and he takes some mud out of the child's mouth and stuff. And lo and behold, the child is alive. And, you know, he, he's going on to look. So he hands the baby off to someone else. Long story short, the child was fine. And, 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 you know, been there in the mud, just minutes maybe from exposure would have died, but God's grace was enough. Amen? So, so in, in that situation, God provided for that need. I think about uh, other things, and we, we know of all kinds of situations. I think about back, back earlier, just a few months ago, Rusty Chukowski was in, in a, that auto accident. God's grace took him through that. Protected him through that. Um, God's grace woke us up this morning. Amen? You know, he, he kept death away from us last night. And we praise God for that. God, uh, his grace, he's given us the health to get up this morning. The health to be able to be here today. Praise God. Even when we don't feel so great, huh, Jim? But we have grace that we can get up and be in the house of the Lord. That, that, that God's grace is enough to meet the needs. And His grace is, man, we can look and it is, it is, His grace is abundant. And when His grace pours out over here, it in no way diminishes His grace to meet other needs. Amen? Amen. His grace is enough. But His grace is, 
As great as it is to help with those kind of needs, the greatest work of God's grace is for our salvation. Amen? Amen? So we're saved by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We are saved by grace. That's what this grace, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. And so this morning, if you have been born again, you ought to be praising God for your salvation. You ought to be praising God for the grace that has come in the presence of Jesus Christ for salvation. Amen? Yeah, we ought to have no trouble worshiping when we, when we meditate on that. But it's also a grace that is there for others' salvation. You know, God, God, don't think for a second that God can't save this person or that person. Henry, where you at? Henry, Henry, Henry always gets to be the example for stuff. But Henry's testimony, he would tell you, you know, he came to a place where, man, he was, he was at the lowest rung, right? And God's grace was there to reach out to him. There are others in this room that have shared with me, you know, their life and, and how they were before they met Christ. And I go, I don't know that person. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? I hear, I hear Randy Dixon, he tells me about his life before Christ. And I don't know that person because the person I know is grace-filled. He's been saved. He's been born again. He's been transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. He's a different person. I don't know that person. That ought to be the case with each one of us. We ought to be a different person when we've come to faith in Christ. But don't think for a second that there's somebody out there, God couldn't save that person. Man, they're just beyond saving. God's grace can save them. Don't ever think that someone's beyond his reach because they're not. Don't ever think that way. God's grace is able and it is available to all mankind for all situations. His grace is available to help with whatever needs we may have. It is there. It is available. Now, we don't always know the plan, right, Susan? We don't know the plan. We don't know God's plan in that, in that situation with that, that little child. We don't know. But God's grace is sufficient. God's grace will meet the need, and He will have His way, and He will work His plan. Amen? And we as believers, we understand that, and we know that. But it's God's grace. His grace is, a, is able, and it is available to all mankind for all situations. But most importantly, is available for salvation. Grace is available. Some of the greatest Christmas gifts. Think about, I was, I was talking with the kids last Monday night at Bible Club, or last Monday. I don't know when I said. Last Monday. I don't know what came out of my mouth just a minute ago. Last Monday. Um, some of the greatest Christmas gifts, this is what I was asking them about. What's your greatest gifts? What makes a gift great? And uh, man, we had some great answers. Some of the kids were like, I just love spending time with my sister. These are little kids. That's Camden going, I just love spending time with my sister. That's what he, that would be the greatest Christmas, to be able to spend time with his sister, things like that. But I was telling them, you think about what makes a, a Christmas gift, what's the greatest gift? You think about the ones that you've gotten, gifts that maybe you've gotten before. What, what makes something so great? And a lot of times the greatest gifts are things that you could never, uh, never get for yourself, Amen. You know, there's things you just, if you couldn't get it for yourself, man, somebody blesses you with something. You go, oh, there's no, that, that just blows your mind. Or things that meet a great need. I mean, I've heard stories of people who needed a kidney, and there was, there was, there was like no hope, or they needed a heart. And, and, and to get that kind of a gift, someone that, that would give a kidney in a time like, man, I, what, I mean, you just can't go buy a kidney. Well, I guess you can, um, but we don't, right? So... Um, but it's something that meets a great, great need or th- you know, things that you can't afford, something that you couldn't afford. You know, that, those are things that really make great gifts for our, our kids. You know, kids are like, 
you know, I want something big, and they think there's no way I'll get that, but they get it. They couldn't get it for themselves, uh, or maybe it's a great need or, or whatever, but maybe something they couldn't afford. Folks, we were lost in our sin without hope of saving ourselves. There's nothing we could do to get to God, nothing. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. We had a debt that we could not pay. It was impossible, but the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. The debt has been paid by Jesus. He offers us a gift that we could never get ourselves, the cost of which he had, we had no ability to pay, and he paid it for us. He did it for us. That's the grace of God that brings salvation. Boy, we, ought to, we could amen right, right there and just worship and go home because that, that's enough to dwell on and think on. We won't, but we, we could. We could, but we won't. All right. Uh, when we've been saved then, when the grace of God has come and has saved us, then, then uh, verse 12 says that we should live life differently. Live life differently. Verse 12, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. That's how we should live. Denying ungodliness and worldly lust. Soberly. That word soberly, it means with sound mind. Soberly, temperately, discreetly. And you know, I, I would, I, if I'm, if I'm going to try to put that in a word, I'd say spirit controlled. When, 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 we're, when we've been born again, that soberly is being spirit controlled. We're not in the flesh. We're not acting in the flesh. We're not responding in the flesh. We're being spirit controlled. Righteously, it means just. To, to live a life that is just, that is agreeably to the right. No, not politically to the right, but the right things. What, when God says it's right, that's what's right. Not what the world says right. But, it, but when we live righteously, we are in agreement with God about what is right. And godly. We're going to live godly. That word godly, uh, it means piously. Okay? That doesn't help me. I got to look that one up too, right? So I want to figure out what godly means. And, and I read piously. Cambridge Dictionary says this about piously. It says, in a way, so if we live piously, we live in a way that shows that you have, you have strong religious beliefs. You know what he's saying? You know what Scripture's saying? If we're going to live, if we're going to live soberly, we're spirit-controlled. If we're going to live righteously, we live in agreement with what God says is right and what God says is wrong. We live in agreement with that. We're not contrary to that. And we live piously which means we show that we have these strong convictions and we, 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 there's been a change made in our life. That's what it means. Now, I'm going to give you an example, an illustration that we all understand, and then I'll give you a little caveat to that. But it's like, it would be like this, like cleaning up a pig, right? So I told you, you know, go clean up a pig. You clean the pig up outside. What's he going to do? What's he going to do as soon as we get him cleaned up? He's going to go back and get dirty, right? Because that's the nature of a pig. John, is that true? Is it true? What if you took, do, do, do pigs really like the, 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 to get dirty? Do they like that? Do, have you found that to be the case? Okay, because see, I was going to put the caveat, I was going to put, because you, you helped me with that. I've had others say, pigs really don't like to get dirty. It's just because you've got them in an environment where they would get in and root up. But kids, I mean, pig, kids, kids like to get dirty. P pigs are, are, they had told me that pigs were, 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 they really, you know, they're super intelligent and they will stay clean if you put them in a place where they're clean. But I've never seen that. So I wanted to, I wanted to say that because somebody was going to come up after the service and say, you know, pigs really don't like to be dirty. They like to be. So I wanted to clarify. It's good to know, John. Why do they, why do they go back and get dirty? Why do they do that? Because that's what pigs do, right? It's the nature, it's the nature of a pig. Folks, we have a sin nature. 
And if we, you know, our nature, our nature must be changed on the inside because we can clean up outside. You know, you can have people that, w- w- there are people that make a profession and there's never really a change inside. You know what, only so long can you act. You can go get a suit, you can put a suit on, you can cut your hair, you, you can do whatever, and it's, it's just outward. But eventually, if, it, if the inside is not changed, that outside will get dirty again. We'll just go right back to it because that's sin nature. And so here, here would be, here would be a, a, my quote. I don't know, somebody else probably said this because there's a lot of but here's my quote on this. To, to be different, we must be changed. Right? So to be different, we must be changed. That's the inside. So to be different, we must be changed. If we are changed, we must be different. We can't be changed and keep living the same old way. I'm going to tell you if, if you, if you could change that pig's nature, right, John, if you could change his nature and, and you changed him on the inside and yet he went right back into the mud, you'd say, well, his nature hadn't been changed. He's still got that old pig nature. We got that old sin nature. Folks, to be different, we must be changed. And if we're changed, we must be different. So where there is life, my pastor used to say this a lot. He said, where there is life, there is growth. If, if you tell me you've been born again, you've been saved, there should be growth in your life. There should be visible spiritual growth in your life. You ought to be more mature today as a believer than you were a year ago. You ought to be more mature today as a believer than you were five years ago. If you've been saved 20 years, you ought to be more mature today than you were those 20, 25 years ago. Whenever, you ought to be more mature. You ought to be more like Jesus. There should be growth. If there's been no change, there's probably no real life. Amen? Where there is the indwelling Holy Spirit of God, there is conviction of sin, there is chastisement, there is correction, there is instruction and direction. There is teaching and guiding. The Holy Spirit of God teaches us and guides us in how to live our lives. Amen? So when we become believers, there's different. We should live our life differently. I asked you this morning, you know, is there some part of your life that isn't saved? I've been been born again, but is there some part of your life that you're still holding on to the old way? You know, uh, but I like that, and it's really not that bad. It's easy to have our pet sins. It's easy to have those things that are worldly and carnal and secular. So, you know, the question is, is there something in your life, some area of your life that you haven't given to the Lord? that's not saved, that hasn't been redeemed. Something to think about here at Christmas. Number three, in verse 13, we hear, we see, to stay ready, to stay ready. Verse 13, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now that looking, that word looking, it means this, it means to await, to await with confidence or patience. All right, it means to expect and it means to expect the fulfillment of promises. That's what we're looking for with the Lord's return. And so what, 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 to give you a picture of, of, of looking, this anticipation for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. Right now, you'd understand this. See, see think about kids looking for Christmas morning. 
That's, a, that's an active looking, isn't it? Man, it's like the days can't. Is it Christmas yet? Is it the little ones? Or is it Christmas? How many more days till Christmas? When, when is Christmas? When do, we, when do we get to open presents? There's, a, there's an excitement. They're looking for this thing that is coming. They are actively looking. Man, they ain't sitting on the couch going, ah, well, just let us know, you know, when it gets here. No, no, no. It's active. But, it, but with us, it's the same way. You know, imagine, yeah, it would be, it would be, Gina would be us on, on say, G, Jordan was coming home on Christmas morning. I mean, we'd be, we'd be looking. Is that her? Oh, man, that's another car. It, we would be actively looking. We'd be excited. We'd be anticipating that person that we very much want to see. They want to have, now, this is not for in-laws, right? So understand, I'm just not the same thing. Because if you got in-laws coming, you're, you're going, Ugh, is that them? No, it's not that. It's a different anticipation. We're looking. We're, we're looking. Y'all don't have the same in-laws I have. No, I have great in-laws. So, I love, I love my monster. I mean, my mother-in-law. No, I do, I do. I joke, and that's why I can joke is because I, I love her, and she's, she's great. But not everybody we look at with that anticipation, but we do. We look. We're looking. There are people that we, we want to see them when they're coming. We have great anticipation. We ought to have that anticipation for the Lord's return. The blessed hope is our Lord's second coming. It's the rapture of the saints, and it can happen, folks, at any time. There's nothing standing in the way. There's nothing else that needs to happen. The Lord's return can happen at any moment. He can call us home. It may happen before the service is out. You may not get lunch today. You're, you're going, when's he going to get done? I want to eat today. You, know, you, you may not get to eat today because the Lord may rapture us out of here. We may not eat here again. That'd be okay with me. Amen? But that's what we're looking for, the appearing of our Lord, and it will be a glorious thing when that happens. Um, 1 Corinthians 15, 51, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Man, we'll all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Folks, we ought to be looking for that. We ought to be focused on that. Now, if I'm a believer and I'm not living like that's a reality, you know what's going to happen? I'm going to get myself, I'm going to get caught with my hand in the cookie jar. Ah, he's, I, who knows when the Lord's coming back? I got time to get right. Don't do this, don't do that. Do, do this, well, I should do that, but I'll do that later. I got time to get that right. We don't know. That's right. We don't know. In the twinkling of an eye. I told y'all what a twinkling of an eye is, right? That's the time it takes for the light to turn green and the car behind you to honk. That's a twinkling of an eye. Green, honk. That quick. That quick. Folks, if we, if we really understand this, that the Lord's return could be at any moment, we should have no problem living out verse 12. Living differently. Because at any moment, he could come back. At any moment. And we ought to be living in a way that we're not going to be embarrassed. We ought to be faithful to what, to what he has told us to do, how he wants us to live our lives. Uh, number four. We look here, number four, the reason for the season. The reason for the season. Verse 14. Um, we're to be looking for the Lord's return. The one, the one, verse 14, who gave himself... For us. 
that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. So who? What is this, this reason for the, Christ, the, the season? The reason for the season? Who? What's well, Jesus Christ, right? It's Jesus who, who did what? He gave himself for us. Christmas is all about giving, and we, we, we get that. We get part of that. We get part of that. But Christmas has become very much about getting. Well, what am I going to get? It's my least favorite part of Christmas is what do you want for Christmas? What do you want? I want peace on earth, goodwill toward men. I say it every year. That's what I say. And, and, and they know that Gina, Jesse's back there laughing and rolling his eyes right now because he's heard it his whole life. Because what do you want, Dad? I, I, I do. I really I want peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Don't feel like you got to give me something to, for me to think you love me or understand that. I, don't, I, I love to give. I, don't deny me that. I love to give. But that should be our focus, right, on the giving. Why? Because God so loved the world that he, he gave. He gave Christ. He gave. What it says right here, Jesus, he gave, he gave himself. For us, he gave himself. He gave himself. No greater love has uh, no greater love has no man than this that to that than to lay down one's life for his friends. Christ expressed that love for us in that he laid down his life for us. God expressed that love for us in sending his one and only Son that he would come and die in our place. He came to die. You understand that, right? He came. That's why he came, because he loved us. He wanted to redeem us. He wanted to save us, and that was the only way. That is the only way, folks. There's not a multitude of ways. Jesus isn't just one of the many ways. What a what a what a twisted, sick God he would be if there were multiple ways to get to heaven, and he still sent Jesus to die on a cross to make another way, just another way. Jesus is the way. The truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by Him. So Jesus did that. He, he did, what did He do? He gave Himself for us. Why? That He might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for Himself His own special people. Now the word redeem means to release on receipt of ransom. He, he, he's paying the ransom. He's paying the sin debt that we could not pay. He paid that by dying on the cross, by taking our sin upon himself by becoming our sin and dying in our place. He substituted himself for us. You know, I, I, I might, I, I've, I've shared with y'all, I'd take a bullet for Gina. I'd take a bullet for, for Jordan. I, I, might, I might take a bullet. I might take a bullet for, Je no, I'd take a bullet for Jesse. I would. There are people I'd take a bullet for, amen? But I don't know if I'd send Jesse. I don't know if I could send Jesse to die for people that hated me. Son, I love you, so I'm going to send you to die for these people who hate me. But that's what God did. That's what he did to redeem us, to release us on receipt of ransom. Jesus paid that ransom with his life. He came to die to save us from our sins. How? Through his death in our place on the cross of Calvary. 1 Peter 3.18, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. 1 Peter 2.9 says, But you are a chosen generation, 
Man, if, if, we're, we're, if we're part of the body of Christ, we are a chosen generation, a, generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own. Now, King, New King James says his, own, his, his special people, all right? Special, that doesn't even sound good today, does it? We're special. Um, what's the word, Brent? You know it. That's usually used there. Peculiar, right? The king, some of the other translations, I don't know if the other translations use the word peculiar. King James uses the word peculiar. So his own peculiar people, his own peculiar, that, 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 you, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So he did this. We have, when we are born again, we become part of, we become these peculiar people. Now, what does that mean? We always think peculiar means weird. It means you're, you're crazy. You, you know, y'all are just peculiar. Y'all are strange. Eccentric. It's a good thing. I looked it up. Uh, it's a good thing to be eccentric. Okay, and peculiar, Randy. It's good to be eccentric and peculiar. Those are good things. But peculiar means this, being beyond usual. So the, everybody else out there, all the people, we're just the usual. You're lost. We're all lost. All this thing, we're usual. Being peculiar, being part of, being God's child, we are beyond usual. Webster says, that peculiar, peculiar is strange or odd or unusual. Well, beyond usual, it can be unusual. But the second thing there is particular or special. And, and I don't think God's calling us weird. I think what he's saying is, look, you're special. You're special. You're special to me. I mean, that's why I saved you. But you are my special people. You're beyond usual. Strong's gives the, the with the word peculiar, uh, it gives the idea of acquisition, the act or the thing, acquisition, to be acquired. By extension, it says preservation, to be preserved, obtaining, to obtain, okay? So to peculiar, be peculiar uh, is to be purchased, possession, saving. All of those words describe us as being born again. We are purchased. We are his possession. He has saved us. We're being saved by what he's done for us to be his own special people. He's done that for us, that, that, that to, to purify for himself his own special people. Why? What, what's the result of that? The end of this verse, it says, says uh, himself, his own special people, zealous for good works. Zealous. And the word zealous there means one burning with zeal, a zealot, most eagerly desirous of zealous for a thing. And what the Lord says, the verse is telling us that he gave himself for us. He died for us that he might redeem us. He might buy us back. He pays the ransom from, from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own peculiar people, his own beyond usual people, his special people that he has bought back. Why? Zealous. These people that are special, unique, beyond these, these peculiar people, they're zealous for good works. We are to be zealous for good works. Not good works to get right with God, but good works because we have been saved by God. Amen? Amen. That's why we're about the good works. That's why we should do that. And, and folks, I, I, I'm not going to give y'all what I gave Wednesday night. I'd encourage everybody in here to go back and listen to Wednesday night in our prayer request time. And uh, I, 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 I kind of got on our church a little bit. And I, I, I ought to just recorded it and played it up here this morning. 
But uh, folks, as believers, as members of our church, we ought to be zealous for good works. We ought to be zealous about, about serving the Lord. I told them Wednesday night that that is our vision statement. Loving God, loving people, serving the world. We are, we are called to love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Amen? We're called to love our neighbors ourselves. We're called to go and make disciples, right? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, and then teaching them all things. We're to disciple them. We've got to make converts so we make disciples. Well, what are we doing as a church here? What is this right here? We're preaching the word, but we're making disciples. What are we doing in extended session right now? We're making disciples. What are we doing in nursery? As young as they are, we're at the very beginnings of making disciples. Wednesday night, across the way, Pastor Aaron and his team, they're working hard and diligently to make disciples. What are we doing over here with Wednesday nights? Jay and his team are making disciples. Right? Isn't that what we should be about? We should be zealous for good works. We should be doing what God told us to do, making disciples. Folks, if you're, a, I'm going to say this and I'm going to be done with this. I'll get off my soapbox. If you're a member of this church, you ought to be attending faithfully, you ought to be giving to this work, and you ought to be serving. Amen. Men, women, both. Our biggest chunk of ministry that we have in this church is our children. That ministers to kids that aren't a part of our church. They come in and stuff. So, so what we've got to do, we need to be serving. And, and, and if you're not connected somewhere, you need to get connected. And if you're here and you go, well, I'm not a member, then why not? If this is your place, connect. Become a member. Be a part of this. Officially be a part of this. And then, and then get connected in ministry. We shouldn't have to beg we shouldn't have to beg for help in nursery week after week after week. We shouldn't have to beg for help in extended session. Look, if there's a couple, you members, you're in good standing, all that good stuff, and you want to serve together in, in extended session, we'll put you back there. We've got our safeguards set. We have accountability. We, we can put you, you can serve together so one's not out one Sunday and one the next. You worship together, and you can go once every two months or even three months and serve in extended session. We need, we need three more teachers right now over in, in uh, Sunday school, small groups for the children. We need three more teachers, three more to help in those classrooms. We need nursery. I mean, we could use ten more workers in, in nursery right now. I don't say workers. We should be servants. Servants. We don't have any volunteers other than Rob Hood. He's a Tennessee volunteer. He's the only volunteer we accept. That's it. We don't like volunteers. Like servants. And so I, I challenge you, I encourage you, man, if you've been born again, you ought to be zealous for good works. And it starts right here in the house of God. Amen. There's plenty to do right here. So I, I exhort you, I'm pleading with you, wear Kristen out with, I want to get, I need to do, what do I need to do? And you know what, Wednesday night, we had three or four that stepped up and said, you know what, I need, you're right, I need to get connected. And, and we're working, and we're going to do that. So, folks, get on board, okay? That's all I got to say about that. Number five. Number five. Then herald the good news. We should herald the good news. 15, verse 15. Speak these things. Exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one despise you. Listen, the angels heralded his arrival. Amen? I think about the shepherds after they found him. We read this. They, they found they, 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 uh, they, the, the shepherds were told they were they were told to go and, and find this babe, this babe 
wrapped in swaddling cloths and laid in a manger. Go find him. They went and they found him. And when they found him, they, they were telling everybody everything they had seen and heard. <coughs> they were telling everybody. They were telling them all there in, in, in Bethlehem. And then as they went back to their jobs and, and on the hills, they were telling everybody. They were heralding it everywhere. They were sharing the good news that Jesus had come. He's alive. He's here. Folks, we must do no less than herald his arrival, herald his life, herald his death, and absolutely herald his resurrection and that he wants to save you from your sin. We ought to be heralding this. Linda Hancock, Linda Hancock Wednesday told us that she, she had opportunity. Uh, the Amazon driver made a delivery, I guess, and, and, and they got to talking about Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. And she said, do you know the real meaning of Christmas? Boy, how hard is that to say? And she said she had to, got to have a conversation with the Amazon driver. Now, apparently he was a believer. And so they had a, instead of an evangelistic moment, it turned into a worship session. They just praised the Lord out there. But it's not hard to get into a conversation about God. Easy. Man, it's just being intentional. Linda, fantastic. That's the way it's done. That's what we ought to be zealous. To herald, tell them about it. Praise the Lord. We ought to be singing His praises. And we ought to be, we ought to be shouting. You know what preaching is, right? We, we think this is preaching. This is what we've turned it into. This is what we call it. And this, this is the God's plan in the local church. But you know, every one of us are to preach. What is that? It's just going out and making much of Jesus. That's what it is. It's just speaking the truth, telling, telling, sharing the gospel. It's, you're preaching. You're proclaiming the truth. We ought to do that. Maybe this morning, Pastor Aaron, your, your team can come. Y'all remember this. Christmas present. 